0: Welcome Nexus Church family online to our series we've entitled Win the Day. Now this series is based off a very popular book by Mark Batterson by the same title. And really it is our hope that we can use some of the tools he shared in his book on how you can live a victorious life. How do you get there? What does it mean? What does God have for you? It's my hope that over the course of these few weeks that we can examine that and help you to become all that God has for you. If you want more information about our church or would like to to come and visit us, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com and find all the information there. You can also Google search us, find us on Facebook at Nexus Church MN, and we would love to connect with you. Drop us a, a message, email us, and we will get back to you, and we will help you and encourage you as you walk with Jesus and connect to him and connect to others. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, online to this first week in our series, Win the Day. Now today, we're going to start with the basics, right? We are going to be taking a look at how we can get over our past. In order to win the day, we first have to get victory over our past. And that begins with our thinking. And so we're going to... First, open up, before we get into the details, into a story in the Bible where, honestly, God's people really were struggling with their past. Now this goes all the way back to the beginning of our Bible. It's just a, a, few, a few books in to the story of God's people, the Israelites, and if you want to follow along, we'll be reading from Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. Now, of course, this is when Moses was still the leader of God's people, the Israelites. And, well, they had experienced quite a bit of God's goodness. If you know anything about the Old Testament and the particular Moses and his running with the Egyptians and King Pharaoh and, and how they had this massive battle and the plagues came upon all of Egypt, but not on the Israelites. And If you remember the story, God continued to spare His people, but yet bring all of this disgusting and horrible things onto the people of Egypt. And finally, after the massive massacre of the firstborn in Egypt, the Pharaoh finally... Let God's people go. And now, according to uh, Numbers chapter 10, there's one book before what we're about to read. God had freed them for now two years and just a few months out. And now that we come upon a few hardships that they've had, and they have quickly forgotten all that God had done. Them. So let's pick it up on verse 1 of Numbers 11. Now the people began complaining openly before the Lord about hardships. When the Lord heard, his anger burned, and fire from the Lord blazed among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. And the people cried out to Moses, and he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that, that was named Taberah, because the lord's fire had blazed among them the riffraff like that this is the christian standard bible that i'm reading from and call them the riffraff <laughs> among them had strong craving for other food now of course god had provided them manna every morning for food now, every morning they could pick exactly what they needed and fresh food was available for them every day but it was the same for two years right And so the Israelites wept again and said, who will feed us meat? We remember the fresh or the free fish we ate in Egypt along with the cucumbers and melons and leeks, onions and garlic, but now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. The manna resembled coriander seeds and its appearance was like like that of dallium. The people walked around and gathered it. They ground it on a pair of grinding stones or crushed it in a mortar, then boiled it in a cooking pot and shaped it into cakes. It tastes like a pastry cooked with the finest oil. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Moses heard the people, family after family, weeping at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, Why have you brought such trouble on your servant why are you angry with me and why do you burden me with all these people did I conceive all these people did I give them birth so, so that you should tell me carry them at your breast as a nanny carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their fathers? where can I get meat to give all these people for they are weeping to me give us meat to eat I can't carry all these people myself they are too much for me you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now if I have found favor with you. Don't let me see my misery anymore. I mean, talk about a complain train. I mean, after all that God had done for them, again, just two years removed from all the miraculous, right? Right? The sparing, the, the opening of the Red Sea, and then walking through, I mean, you're talking about massive amounts of people, like more than the biggest city that I've ever been in, there's this massive amounts of people going through, and God providing a way through this massive sea, and then crashing down on all their enemies, and Freeing them for good. And then they get out to this desert and, and God leads them. What should have taken just a few days takes them 40 years and there's a reason behind it, of course. But now they're just two years into this. God have provided everything and they're complaining and more so Moses is complaining. Why? Why do I have to carry these people's burdens? God, remove me from this. What a complaint train. They wanted to go back to slavery, to death, to destruction, to to owning nothing. When God actually changed their identity, they wanted to go back to their slavery when now God said, I am separating you. I'm creating in you a a perfect nation that is going to represent me to the rest of this world to show my goodness, to show my glory. I'm going to set you apart and make you a great nation. I'm going to take you to this promised land. And then they started complaining and wandering off. They wanted their former life. They wanted to go back from this goodness that God had delivered them to. He had changed everything about them. I don't know about you, but I'm a lot like the Israelites. Oh, I, I can look at this story and I can shake my head and I can say, guys, come on. Come on, can't you remember? Can't you? It just, it's, it wasn't that good. How, how crazy do you have to be? But we have been freed. If you are a follower of Jesus today, you are free. Can I ask you a question? How often do you live in that freedom? How often are you truly broken from that past? Does that past still haunt you? Do you still struggle with some of the things that you struggled with? You see, we point our fingers at the the Israelites, but then we forget that we ourselves don't live in the fullness of what God has for us. Listen to some of these promises that God gives us in the Bible that, that if you are a new creation, if you have given your life to Jesus to, to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sins, if you have, if you have made Him the Director and the Lord, the, the one in charge of your life, then listen to this. Romans 6, 6 says, you are no longer slaves of sin. You are freed from sin. You should no longer think bad things. You should never struggle with with choosing evil things versus good things. You shouldn't have issues of of what you put into your mind or what you put into your body, but you should only be doing things that build you up and encourage you and fill you with good. The Bible also says that we're the first, we're not the last. That we are considered to be His heirs. That means that we are co rulers, that we follow in line with Jesus. It also means that we are his chosen. All of these are our promises. Why don't I live as if those were true? Why, Why do I struggle? with confidence, with telling the truth, with living in, in this freedom that God has freed me from in this world, why do I still struggle with doubt, confusion, lack of clarity? Why do I, why do I see things on the news and, and have a hard time understanding what's right and what's wrong? Like if we're God's chosen, shouldn't we understand all these things? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we be able to make the right choices? Shouldn't we be able to see things and issues in our day-to-day that people are fighting over? We got, we got this side, we got that side. Shouldn't we be able to say, no, both of those are wrong. This is what's right. We live in an incomplete world where we can't know everything, and we struggle. But God's promises remain true, For us, we can live in freedom. But here's the thing as I just mentioned, we live in a fallen world where we will struggle. And though these truths are true, and you can stand upon them, and you can go forward in them, we will be in a battle till the day we die. And though we can gain victory, and that's what this whole series is about, we're going to gain victory, I want you to understand that if you do struggle, you're not alone. You are in good company. Listen to what Paul says In Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. This I find so encouraging. I don't know, maybe it's because I just love transparency. I love openness. But Paul, one of what I consider the heroes of faith. Besides Jesus, he is like right there next in line in my world. A guy wrote almost... Like 90% of the New Testament after the Gospels, right? After the Gospels in the book of Acts, it's like Paul is writing like a madman. And and, and, and he's so straightforward and he's so clear and, and systematic. And I love that about him. But he's also open about his struggles. Listen to this. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. Remember, this is the guy that says we are freed from sin, but we're still struggling with sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So no, I'm no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire is to do what is good is within me, but there is no ability to do it. So he's talking about his, his flesh, like that's still alive. Though we have died to our past and though we, we should be freed from it, it's still there and it still can creep up. Paul is admitting that. Now verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but is the sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present within me, for in my inner self I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Right? So just pause right there, because Verse 25, his work is good. Paul is admitting that he still struggles with sin. He still struggles with his past. Though he has been freed from it, like we just read, right? All those promises, we're an heir, we're the first, we're not the last. We, who, we are conquerors. We are God's chosen, but yet still we have we have these, these things in us that wage war, as Paul says. But he understood that though we have this past, we can defeat it. Though you and I are no different than the Israelites, and we, we, we look at this new life that we've been given in Jesus, we still struggle with that past we still struggle with the past identity we still we still fight going back to where we came from but jesus offers us constantly offers us hope that we can change that we will change listen to verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. So Paul understood. He understood that with Jesus, we can have victory. We can have victory. I love how Mark Batterson put this. He said, it took one day to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Friends, Jesus has given you new life. Today, if you are a follower of his, you can be freed from your past. Eternally, you're already freed, but today, here in the flesh, here where you live, you can find freedom, my prayer is that it doesn't take you 40 years to find it, that you don't have to, as Israel had to, bury those who were freed out of Egypt in order to enter the promised land. If you, if you don't understand that story, God waited until all of those who had looked at out and in, in, in viewed the promised land, right? He sent the spies. God spent the, sent the spies through Moses' command to the promised land to look at it and to view, should we go in there? They freaked out, right? They, they're they like, ah, we can't go there. We can't defeat them. Like, What? What are you talking about? You just were freed from the strongest, biggest nation of that time. And you're looking at this, this promised land and all these giants and, and all these wonderful things besides those giants, and you're saying you can't defeat them. Well, of course you can. God can. And so because of their unbelief, that whole generation that, 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 that sent those spies had to die off before Israel could enter that promised land. My hope is that you don't have to spend your whole time on earth wandering around trying to find that freedom, having to wait to when you enter eternity to finally find the promised land, to find the freedom, to find the identity that you have. Sure, you'll get little glimpses like Israel had. You know, they got that glimpse. Even Moses got to see it one more time before he went to be with God. But today, today I want to to help you, to walk with you. And in the remainder of our time, I'm going to give you three tools that I believe can help you find that freedom here on earth. It's not going to give you 100% freedom like you'll have in eternity, but you have a new life in Christ. And the first thing you need to do is bury the past kill it it's time to move on you see what paul wrote in verse 25 he clarified in 2nd corinthians let me read this to you 2nd corinthians five seventeen says anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life is gone a new life has begun Your old life is gone. Stop waging war with that old life. Stop going back to your Egypt, wanting to go back to those old ways or fighting those old ways. It's time to stop. And you've got to tell yourself it's time to stop. You have to verbally tell yourself that. Put that foot down and say, I don't want to live like this anymore. Christian, It's time to move on. It's time to find who Christ has called you to be. Bury the past. Bury it right here, right now. What is it that you are still struggling with, that you were struggling with the day you said yes to Jesus? You don't have to fight that battle anymore. Bury it. Let Jesus come alongside you and help you. Bury the past the past. Bury it. Stop making excuses. Stop saying, I can't. I've done this all my life. There's, there's pathways in my brain. I don't even know I'm doing it. It just happens. Well, tell yourself, it's time to stop. It's time. Stop battling with that addiction. It doesn't own you. Jesus Christ owns you. He bought you with a price, a price that you cannot pay you are to glorify Christ by your life. Stop letting your past make it disgusting. Move on. Bury the past. And for many of the, us today, we have to start training ourselves. It comes first when we speak out. I am burying this. Maybe for you, it's a lot like me. It has to do with your thinking. You have to start thinking differently. And so the next step for us is to change our thinking. Most people, those things that they're really tr- struggling with right now, that, that still haunt them from their past, has to do with their thinking Your brain is so incredibly powerful. I cannot overemphasize that. I cannot. What you think is what you become. It might not be today, but if you continue to think about something over and over again, you will become it. It's called self-fulfilling prophecy. Whatever you are speaking or thinking inside of yourself, you are Becoming right, research is indicating that 80% of most people's thinking is negative. Think about that 80% of your thinking throughout a day is negative. What does that tell you? If self fulfilling prophecy is true and the studies are accurate, that what we think is what we become, we are constantly becoming negative. And the brain waves that continue to go over the same pathway over and over again create this trench where you don't even know you're thinking what you're thinking. It just is automatic. So the moment something flashes up, your brain is immediately going down that same path. It's always gone down. You have to intentionally say, I am not thinking that way anymore. When you see something and it creates a negative pathway, you say, that's not true. Get back to what the Word of God says. When you see somebody and you think negative thoughts about them, you need to stop yourself and say, That is not what God thinks of that person. God loves that person, God died for that person, God wants that person to have a relationship with Him. Stop your thinking. Stop the negativity that's going through your brain. Even right now as I speak, you might be saying, man, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Stop it. Ask God. Go to God and say, God, what do you say about this? And you'll quickly find out who God says you are. You are his child. You are an heir. That means you are a ruler with him. You are the first. You are not the last. God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. So change your thinking. If you want to flip the script in your life, if you want to change the direction you're going, if you are going down a path that you know is not what God has for you, you know He has more for you, you know that He has died for you to have a purpose and a plan in this life, and it's not just to pay the bills and to raise the family. though Those are important. It's to live a life that makes a difference, that builds his kingdom. And if you don't see that happening, you have to look around and ask yourself, what is it that needs to change? I need to bury my past. I need to... Change my thinking and start speaking life, start speaking things that are true, that are positive, that bring life, that make a difference in people's lives around you. And then we must define our win. You see, in order to, in order to change our thinking, we need to define where is it supposed to go? What is the win? What does God want for me? You have to ask that question. If you're going to change your thinking, you need to get real with, what is it? What is it that I'm supposed to be thinking? Where is it that I'm supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Well, begin with asking God and saying, God, what is it? What is it? Like, what does your Bible say? This is your word. What does it say about what I am called to do? Well, we know that God has one purpose. It's very clear. Jesus said himself that he came to seek and to save the lost. His very final words that he spoke to his people before he went up to be with the Father is what? Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Right? That was his closing statement. We are to first... Baptize, right? Baptism means that we get people into the kingdom of God. Baptism is a sign of a new life that we are giving ourselves to Jesus. We're going to make him our Savior, which means he forgives us of our sins, and we're going to make him Lord. We're going to follow after him and do as he says. That is our call, to help others make that decision and be baptized, which means they become a follower. And then to teach them, to develop them, and to help them to what? Do the same. That is our call. That is what Jesus left us. That's what he modeled us, to go and to seek and save the lost, and to help them to seek and to save the lost, and to continue doing that. That is your call. That is not a pastor's call, evangelist's call, a missionary's call, that is what we as Christians are called to do. Jesus made that to his followers, which you and I are. And so we are to do the same. And you're like, "Oh, I don't even know where that where that goes." Like, what is that for my win? Well, that's where you spin it now and say, "Okay, God, I know that's my job. I know that's my ultimate win to build your kingdom." What a like Stop, pause, time up. Think about that for a second. Ultimately, making disciples, as that big command really boils down to, is to build God's kingdom. I don't know about you, but to say that I, a sinner that is saved only because of Jesus' death on the cross, can come alongside him and help him Save the world? Like, I don't know about you, but that is a humbling thing. That is is a call that radically changes everything. Like, I get to partner with God and do what He did and is doing? That's a win. And so we have to ask ourselves, in our practical, everyday life, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. Maybe you are, and maybe you will. That's awesome. When you wake up in the morning, you get to be Jesus to your coworkers, your classmates, family members, neighbors. How are you leading them closer to Jesus? And if they are now following Jesus, how are you helping them to therefore become disciples themselves? Are you teaching them, helping them to understand how to help others come to Jesus? It, 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 there's no program. It's lifestyle. Slow down. You will win the day when you define what it means for you be a follower of Jesus. Kind of change the world around you. Right? And let me tell you, it begins in your thinking. You can do it. I hear so many people say, I'm not good at that. And I will be the first one to come alongside you and say, I can't do it either. Paul said the same thing too. I don't do what I know I need to do, what I want to do. It is only through the power of Jesus when you get alone with him and you say, God, help me. I am not gifted. I am not strong. I need you to help me. And maybe you do have that gift, and we celebrate you, and we thank you, and, man, use those gifts to the fullest. But for the rest of us, we need to rely a whole lot on the Holy Spirit. So ask him, God, help me. I know what my win is. It's to help others come to know you and to live for you. Help me to do that well at my work, at my school, in my neighborhood, with my family. Start there and see what God will speak to you. Define that way. And remember, you can do it. Stop saying you can't. You can because you have the Holy Spirit in you. No excuses accepted. And so I want to close with this. A thought from Thomas Carlyle, a Scottish historian. He said, our grand business undoubtedly is not to see what lies dimly ahead at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. And so I want you to begin today with square one. For some of you, that square one means you need to bury your past. It's time for a new day. It's time for a due day. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, I don't, I mean, you talked a lot about Jesus and I believe in him, but I've never went to that step of, of following him. The Bible is very, very clear. If you want to have a relationship with God, you cannot do it on your own. God does not allow any evil in his presence. He is a perfect God that cannot be defiled, cannot be in the presence of, of those who are defiled we need a savior we need somebody who can step between us and god and make us right with him and that was jesus he lived a perfect life he died though he should never have died because he was perfect he died a sinner's death for you and for me but he didn't stay dead he rose from the grave he conquered sin he conquered death he conquered everything that we deserved, so that we could be right with him. And the only way we can receive that gift is by saying yes to Jesus. Saying, I believe in you. I know you're the only way to the Father. And I'm going to give my life and let you forgive me, save me, and lead me. And so if that's you today, it's as simple as saying that. God, I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe that you are the only way to the Father, only way to eternal life, only way to, to be in the presence forever with Jesus and the Father. I give you my life. I want to follow you. Do that. Tell that to God. I know it seems weird, and maybe like he's not listening, He is. He is real, and He will listen and welcome you into the family. And when you do that, you have new life. Where you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit that He gives on the day that you believe in Jesus, He gives you new life. He gives you the Holy Spirit, which means you have the power to live for Him. And you need to tap into that power every day, getting up and saying, I need you, Jesus. Help me to think like you, help me to live like you, and listen and be obedient. You have a new life. You've buried the dead. Now you need to continuously, from this day forward, fight to think about what God thinks about. Think of the positive. You are God's child. You have the ability to do all he asks you to. Start changing that thinking. You can do it. It's going to take a lot of work. lot of intentionality because those those brain waves they're they're powerful they've been there for some of us (laughs) 40 plus years they don't change overnight you need to rewire them but it can be done fight that fight pray those prayers get people around you who will fight with you and then define that win where are you to use that gift that god has given you you have a gift, every single one of you. Don't believe the lie that you have nothing to give. You have a gift to give that God wants to use to what? To bring people into a relationship with him and to be developed to do what? To do the same. Define that win. Focus on where you're going. Continuously fight and remember that God is with you and you have people around you who will do the battle with you. So Father, I pray for... These people today, I pray for that one person who's listening. Maybe they haven't given their life to you, God, that you continuously just run after them. Be relentless. Don't give up. God, I pray that you will will give them that, that desire that nothing else will do, God, but you give their life to you. I pray for those who are struggling with thoughts of the past and and constantly going back between the past and the present and thinking on the negative and just this battle that wages war. God, it's real. It's hard. I've fought it my whole life, God. But God, I know that there is victory in Jesus. I know that we can win the day, God, by putting our foot down and saying, I will not settle for this. I am going to win. I'm going to think about what you think about. I'm going to work at what you want me to work at, and I'm going to win the day. I'm going to define what you have for me, and I'm going to go forward. And I pray that for every person listening that they will put their foot down today and that they will not give up. They can win. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Nexus Church Family Online, for joining us today, and we'll see you again real soon.